Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Robots Don't Age. And with me today, I have a special guest from our sister podcast. Of course, you all know me as your host, Cody, but with me today is Adrian, the masterful dude of doodliness. How you doing, Adrian? Shit, I usually do my intro, but uh, <laughs> but all right. Agent, the masterful dude of doodliness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most, but not on this show. Uh, yeah, I'm from Fan Freaks Podcast. Uh, how you doing, Cody? Thank you for having me on. Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, recording this a lot earlier than usual, which means I won't get my second act uh, beer break like I usually do. Ooh, you drink you drink while on the show? Um, when we get to the second part, I usually have one beer to wrap up because it only takes about a half hour to an hour to record and I don't finish it in that time. All right, you fucking savage. Um, so Adrian, as you are the guest, uh, what have you been up to, man? What are your reasons? Um, my recents have been, uh, I've been watching Mandalorian a lot. I'm now on season two. Uh, it's good. I don't think it's uh, everything that people are saying, like it's the second coming of Jesus, but it's good. Uh, I'm also caught up on WandaVision, which is also good. I feel nowadays people are just like, hey, man, have you watched the latest Disney property? And I, I don't know what to do anymore. I A 50-something-year-old man at work made me promise him that I'll watch Mandalorian. <laughs> I was going to say, um, when you mentioned just watching fucking Mandalorian and not living up to the hype, it's because it's a Disney property and everyone just fucking fawns over everything like Disney slash Avengers. Yeah, it's just as long as as long as you see the fucking big old D, everybody wants that D. Everybody wants Disney plus. Oh, they want that big D+. Look, I'm not going to lie. I got Disney Plus just so I could watch Mandalorian, and it's a really good show. I mean, I love it, but I get where you're coming from. Like, the hype around the things they're releasing now is fucking unreal. Look, and and Mandalorian has a very easy format for an episode. Like, I finished season one, and it's Grogu. I'm sorry, Baby Yoda does something cute. Uh, Mando fights to save it, and then he, they escape miraculously. Tune in next week. It feels like I, that's that's the episode. Yeah, I don't mind it personally, though. I feel like it's just a fun show. Um, it's not. I I guess the way people are describing it is kind of like just a space western, which I don't know. I've enjoyed, but you're right. The storylines aren't overly uh, overly involved in the first season. Even though, for some fucking reason, they brought in Force Heal. That's another thing. That's another gripe. It's fine. I mean, all right. Uh, before we continue with the reasons, just want to shout out Kehlani. Would love to have you on Fan Freaks Podcast. I know I'm taking her spot today. And we just woke up, I feel, both of us. So we're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> we're not as sharp as you would like to be uh, for us, uh, audience. Yes, um, welcome to the morning show with Adrian and Cody. <laughs> Cody and Adrian in the morning. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So uh, Mandalorian, that's the only one on Disney Plus I've really seen. I haven't watched any WandaVision, but I have heard the spoilers for it. And I hate to admit it, but that might be how you get me to fucking watch the next uh, next Marvel properties, you sons of bitches. I mean, it's it's there's a have you watched Chernobyl on HBO? No, I've heard amazing things about it. I fucking loved it. 
out some of some of the shit is hard to watch. It is hard to watch. Uh, but there in the beginning of the show, uh, when the radiation starts leaking, uh, they have a meter that says 3.6 Roken is the max amount that the meter can count. And one of the people that's responsible for the disaster goes 3.6 Roken, not good, not great, not terrible. And that's what I've been referring to as like my bur- my meter for uh, for uh, these Disney shows. Yeah, it's it's comfy. You know, you snug up in a blanket, you watch this, and it's safe. There's no problems. It's comfy, and it's three point six Rokin. Not great, not terrible. That is a pretty solid description of uh, what I would say most of the Marvel stuff for me has at least been. It's fun. My friends usually want to watch it, so I'm there to watch, but I'm not like going out of my way to see it. Um, tonight, uh, tonight though, I'm gonna rewatch the Lighthouse. Have you seen that? I have not. Another one I've heard amazing things about. Please watch it. I mean, just to see Robert Pattinson masturbate to a mermaid figure is fucking <laughs> great. All right. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Did you hear the rumor about Willem Dafoe's penis? No. All right, go on. <laughs> so during the f- filming of Last Temptation of Christ, they had to use a body double because Willem Dafoe's penis uh, shows it as Jesus in that movie. But it was too big it was too (laughs) unrealistic on a movie about jesus so they said we need a body double it was enormously huge so our lord and savior can't be well hung we can't even give the guy that they're telling me what we did to him we couldn't have even been like yeah he also had a big dick by the way we gotta take that from the fucking guy yeah yeah i mean this is this is one of those old hollywood rumors you know i don't it's it's always funny to me but uh but what have you what have you been watching what have you been doing all right so since the last time we've talked uh in terms of tv and movies i've really just rewatched king of staten island the uh, latest judd apatow movie written by pete davidson dude that's on my list i love that trailer i think it's it's really interesting um i'm really into bill burr doing dramatic roles uh how how is the film i can't stop thinking about how much i like it it's like a really dark dramedy where like the humor is exactly the type of jokes i'd be making if i was hanging out these guys all of his friends are dipshits so like if you kind of stayed in the town you grew up in you can point out and be like yeah i know guys that are just like that um it's just (laughs) this really like dark long movie that i wish was longer than two hours and change like i wish they would have just kept going which is weird but like this movie made me a fan of bill burr to where like i liked him before this but ever since watching this like bill burr can fucking act bill burr was probably the best part of this movie for me and i just i can't stop like thinking about how well it's written and how well done it is like i ordered the screenplay for it just so i could study it Wow, you're really invested in it. Um, I fucking... I might even do a whole Judd Apatow like, marathon after I get done with my binge of King of Staten Island just because I really appreciate his work more now. I think super underrated was that movie with Adam Sandler. I think it was called Funny People. Or You know, it's funny you bring that up. I uh, just got done rereading that script too as well, actually. I uh, didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> it, no, it's fine. It's just... I really find that that movie like really interesting. I he digs these um 
Judd Apatow does with his characters, and he usually casts like people you wouldn't expect to pull out a, a dramatic performance out of their ass. A lot of people still doubt Adam Sandler, even though he gave us Uncut Gems, uh, Punch Drunk Love. But to have him as this character that's, you know, facing death and it's a comedian, which is perfectly what Adam Sandler is. But just to have that metamorphosis of just zero to 60, like it's Judd Apatow directing is super underrated. Yeah. Do you think it's because he doesn't put out like he puts out Judd Apatow movies, which is to say, like, they're all not necessarily the same, but he has his own unique style and twist to it, and he doesn't do, like, the gigs for hire, try to get super cinematic with a lot of his shots, and that way, like, people just kind of don't think about him as being a really, like, talented director. I think that's might might be what it is. I think exactly that's what it is. Like, oh, it's a Judd Apatow movie, so it's going to be not as big budget. There's not going to be like fucking swooping crane shots here. Uh, and there's going to be, you know, an easy breeze three month shoot, but it's a story to tell. There's going to be some funny. It's going to go for a hard R it's, it's not safe, but it is safe. You know what I mean? It's nothing out of his comfort zone. Like we're not going to see a Judd Apatow alien movie. (laughs) <laughs> right. Judd Apatow is not going to make a movie about a walrus in a giant suit. Oh, that's uh, that's that's a wink and a nod to what we're talking about today. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we go any farther, I, further, I did forget to mention that today we are discussing the films of Kevin Smith. And I thought uh, since we are discussing Judd Apatow being such a wonderful and underrated director, I think it's kind of fair to say, like you mentioned on Twitter, Kevin Smith is maybe the best worst director. That Yeah, that's what I call him, because we really love him for his writing. It's just, he's a director also. We love his films, but they're not the best shot. They're not the best lit, you know. They're, he does get something out of his characters, because the characters, the actors really love the material. Like, it, I mean, you you know the story about Ben. Ben Affleck, ever since Chasing Amy, was like, give me something like Chasing Amy. Let's do another thing like chasing amy because chasing amy is probably just so much heart and soul in that film exactly and that's uh, all right i don't, I don't want to get into the kevin smith stuff now we obviously have the uh the list and everything to go through later but back to judd apatow and uh funny people before i forget when i first saw it i actually didn't really appreciate the movie for what it was but reading the script i really want to go back and check it out again because like that movie not only has heart but it's fucking dark the character of Adam Sandler is just this great, depressed piece of shit. I just, I think that movie, along with all of uh, Judd's work, deserves more evaluation. He's basically, uh, Adam Sandler's doing his best BoJack Horseman. <laughs> that is extremely accurate. <laughs> and I think Kevin, uh, while filming uh, Zach and Mary make a porno, he's, and, and it coming out, and it failing, like financially failing, uh, he said that was his most Judd Apatow movie. And a lot of huh. people kind of point at Kevin and they're like, you're what Judd Apatow is now, you hmm. know? And I mean, you could, you could, you could fucking see it, particularly in a lot of how he uses the same cast. It's usually Jason Siegel, James Franco, Seth Rogen, all these guys from freaks and geeks that Judd doesn't let go. And we get that with Kevin Honestly, 
uh, the actors aren't that great. You know, I love Jason Muse, but when you talk about like Walt Flanagan and Steve Dave, uh, uh, yeah, the kind of cameo buddy parts that the fans are going to expect. Because at this point in Kevin Smith's career, I feel like that's who he's playing towards. It's just his hardcore fan base. Yeah, he knows what he's about. Whereas um, I think Judd Apatow's movies are a little more broad and universal. Like you can get a bigger audience and uh, his directing style is a step above Kevin Smith's, but the dialogue is still like on par in terms of the characters. Exactly. A hundred percent. This is <laughs> we're, we're skipping the ad break and we're going right into Kevin. <laughs> um, okay. So my other recent has also been uh, for TV, just South Park actually, because I've just been wanting to feel that comfortable feeling of watching that good old humor that I remember, like, from my childhood, you know? Yeah, uh, South Park's always going to be, like, the GOAT for me. Like, it's the greatest of all time in terms of cartoon comedy. Uh, I think everybody who keeps comparing it to Family Guy should just fucking die in a fire. Um, South Park is a touch above, and I love the fact that Matt and Trey hate everyone else. But they love Simpsons, but they hate everything Seth Marvin. Seth McFarlane is done. I don't, you know, I get that. I'm not a big fan of Seth McFarlane's work. Um, I enjoy the Ted movies, but like Family Guy kind of ran its course for me. And it can't be as socially relevant as South Park because like the South Park turnaround's ridiculous. They're more on brand. Their type of humor fits it much better. Like I wouldn't give a shit if Peter Griffin tried to do the things that the characters in South Park did because it just wouldn't fit that show. Yeah, and... I think the first like five seasons of, of Family Guy, you just have you think that's bad, Lois. Check this out, you know, and it's always the same fucking non sequitur. It has nothing to do with the plot. Whereas there's each South Park episode is very coherent with its story beats. There isn't anything to miss. You know what I mean? Right, and even like South Park in terms of staying relevant, like years after the fact, I just watched the. Uh... The episode where the uh, Canada's going on strike and their whole initials are WGA. And that fucking joke had me rolling. <laughs> the whole episode is how they held out and got nothing. And I just, it's so insider baseball that I didn't realize it at the time. It's great. Um, do you, Have you been playing any games? Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of my video games, I've actually just gone back to PS3. And I know we've been talking about this wow. in the group chat, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Really fucking excited to talk about it on the show. Silent Hill is such a good fucking game. It really is. It really is. The first one, right? We're talking about Harry Mason yeah, yeah. for his daughter and all that. Yeah. OG Silent Hill. Yeah, I mean, Twin Peaks the game is basically fucking amazing. Like, I, uh, okay, so I, the reason why I decided to play this is I ordered Skate 3 for my PlayStation 3, because that's like what started me, like, wanting to hook it back up, play that, Fight Night, all these games that I used to just spend hours and hours on, mm -hmm. and um, it got delayed, so one day when I had my PS3 hooked up, I was looking for Fight Night, and I couldn't find it, so I'm like, alright, well, fuck it, I gotta kill some time, let's see what's going on in my digital library, and I'm scrolling through, you got the classic RE games, a few other ones, classic Grand Theft Autos, and then there's Silent Hill. And I took that pause, and I'm like, you know, I bought this game, but I never actually like took the time to try to beat it. Maybe I'll hop in here and see where I left off at over a year ago. And I loaded it inside of the fucking school. I hate the school. I hate the piano puzzle. Fuck that piano puzzle. Yeah, that one was a little fucking tough for me, because I kept hitting the keys like, that's, yeah, I'm hitting all the right buttons, I can hear the noise, why is this not it? Um, I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm not particularly good at this, and I had to look up like some puzzle strategy guide shit. 
But that game and the lore of Silent Hill and the world building is so deep and wonderful. It is. Um, and you beat it. Oh, yeah. I beat it. I got the bad ending, and I still really fucking enjoyed myself. And I started another playthrough, like, right after. Oh, so you're going to aim for the good ending, I imagine? Yeah, I'm going to play this one probably a lot slower, not spend hours a day on it. But I think I do want to go through and try to get the good ending. All right. And uh, are you going to play the rest of the games? I recommend you stop at four. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's funny you should say that, actually, because I did start playing the remake of two. And um, I did want to come on here. I did mention and like talk about how great it was and how much I was enjoying it. But because I've only played like an hour of it and I don't want to troll Bone King that fucking badly about it. Um, I actually don't know what his gripes are yet, but, you know, it's fine. Are you playing with the original voice uh, cast or the uh, the new cast? I think it's the new cast, but after hearing about that on your guys' latest episode, uh, Bad Launch Titles, I think I'm going to switch over. Oh, okay. Thank you uh, for plugging my show. <laughs> yeah, over at Fan Freaks, as I just listened to that episode last night, before we recorded this and I was coming in to talk about the game, I think I think that's way too long of an episode we did. Uh, I mean, it's just bad launches. There's so many. I look. All right, I did not get enough from that fucking episode. I <laughs> loved it, dude. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Um, but I uh, I do want to say what what's gonna be next. I do want to ask. Excuse me, and I want to out it here. What's next for Robot Stone Age? Like, we got the Kevin Smith thing now. Are we going to do another Descender thing? Like, are you going to do a multi-part Robot Stone Age review on something? Yes, they uh, they actually have a sequel series to Descender, which is called Ascender, and we're going to run through that shortly. I just got to get done with this Terminator run, and I want to get uh, Dr. Root on here for it, as we've talked about as well. Yeah, but now he wants me on it, and... Uh... What what movie would you be covering? Because you've done one, I believe. Are you gonna do? The ne- are you gonna? <laughs> the do next three? in line is Salvation, man. The next in line is Salvation. Yes, I actually like it. I enjoy it more than I. I I don't mind it. Um, I don't want to talk about Genesis. I don't want to trash a movie right now. We can get to that later. But uh, <laughs> as for my other recents, also like Fight Night Champion and uh, Skate Three. I love Skate. I love the Skate series. Uh, although Tony Hawk for me is uh, the one I prefer to play because it's most outrageous. But Skate is so good. Well, see, that's what lost me with Tony Hawk. It's kind of like I enjoyed it until I played Skate and I realized how realistic it was. Because yeah. I myself, while not good, was a skater as a kid. And I like I really enjoy the realism. Yeah, but I mean, I get to skate as Benjamin Franklin in Boston and, and Tony Hawk Underground too. you know? Like, I get to like blow up a bus with a skateboard it's fucking oh, those fucking underground games all right underground and um i think it was project eight that was on i was a gamecube release it was shortly after that i stopped playing because the games got a little not good <laughs> yeah i mean it was very activision oh it's a new year make a new stony hawk game it's a new year make a new call of duty game you know we have to analyze yeah. it and then they had that weird bullshit Tony Hawk game where uh, you had to get the skateboard for it and ride on there in like a linear path or some shit. Ah, yes, where they tried to guitar hero Tony Hawk. Yeah. And uh, for my final recents, the last game that I had played shortly before we started, I hopped on for a round of Hunt Showdown. You dick. 
without me. I did it. I did it just so I could tell you on the podcast that I played a round of Hunt Showdown. How'd you do? Did you win? No, um, I got to the assassin, but then as I was trying to like get inside, I got chased down and poisoned, and it just it didn't go well from there. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Yeah, it's okay though. I lost a free hunter. I got a new one, and the weapons seem to be much fucking better. So next time I play with you guys, I should actually be uh, a lot more prepared. So did I overhype Hunt? No, Hunt's really good. I enjoyed a lot. I like the Western Supernatural crossover. I just don't get on my PS4 to play games that often. Yeah, I mean, you're stretched thin, dude. Like, you play PC, you play sometimes PS4, and now you're back on the PS3 just to play the games you missed? Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I also don't want to fucking brag or pat myself on the back or anything, but I also just got done revising my second book, and I'm currently going through, like, the fourth fucking draft of a script. So, yeah, I do keep myself a little occupied. Oh, and also, Who Asked for This is coming up. Season yeah. two. Season two should be premiering in the summer. Uh, as soon as everyone gets vaccinated, we've got a few skits written already. I don't want to give anything away, but one of them involves a Waffle House interview, and I'm pretty excited. <laughs> A Waffle House interview? Yes. I don't know if you've ever uh, been to... I mean, I'm sure you've been to a Waffle House, I love Waffle House, yeah. Yeah, I've only been to, like, one, so I don't know all that much about the culture of Waffle House, but from the sound of it, it seems like if you work at Waffle House, you have to be the bouncer, the cook, and armed security at all times. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 24 hours, and anybody who's drunk as shit at 4 a.m. needs some fucking waffles. All I'm saying is, I've never seen anyone throw down at a Denny's. I've seen crazy shit at Denny's. I actually was was hanging out with a group of people, and one guy got really drunk, and he said, "My, my, can't. All right, fuck it. My pussy is gold." And then he started stripping for the waiter. But throw down, <laughs> no. Throw down, no. But yeah, <laughs> I wish that was me. I I legit wish I could say I said that, but no. He oh, he God. was also like the cop showed up and the cops were like, are you driving home? And he's like, no, he is and pointed at me. And I was like really drunk. So I was a little worried. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I pulled it off. Right. I pulled it off. I mean, I, I don't have a Diddy script written, but maybe I'll figure something out. Um, Yeah. Anyhow, uh, who asked for this season two, summer 2021? We occur- we haven't started filming yet, which is unfortunate because, you know, still under certain lockdowns and conditions. But uh, something tells me we'll get there and probably knock a few skits out in like two or three days. I just I just wanted to be known that I love, 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 love your the nightmare uh, keeping up with the Krugers thing. I absolutely loved it. I would be down if you could do keeping up with the Voorhees and keeping up with the Myers. If that could just be a reoccurring theme. I don't hate the idea. Um, In terms of like horror icon. Oh, thank you, by the way. That was, if I look at all of my shorts, that's probably been the most stressful one to shoot. But uh, more on that later. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought about doing like a Ghostface versus Michael Myers like crossover. And the whole joke was that Ghostface is going to be hunting someone through the woods and then like Michael Myers would show up and like Ghostface and the person would be hiding and they do rock, paper, scissors to see who has to go out and face them. <laughs> That's actually really funny. But if it's in the forest, wouldn't it be better for Jason? 
Probably. I just have to figure out, because, like, Jason is not an easy costume to get together, man. He has a lot of different variants, too. I mean, I guess you could do part two Jason. Is that just the, the green one suit with a machete? With the burlap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You could do that. But if you do the burlap, they're just going to go, oh, it's a burlap killer. It's not Jason. You yeah. Need, you, need, you need a hockey mask. You live in fucking Chicago. There should be hockey masks. I live three or four hours outside of Chicago. <laughs> Even more so, there should be more. What else is there to do on the outskirts of Illinois? I just um, fucking, oh, dox him now. <laughs> in terms of the small towns in Illinois, have you ever heard of teenage drinking and casual racism? No, no casual racism. <laughs> That's why I don't live in the small towns anymore. But uh, anyhow. Yo, this, this episode got woke as fuck right now. <laughs> um, no, but like the thing about Redlands Productions, I like to joke, is that uh, we work for debt. So unless you're willing to provide the Jason Voorhees costume, we're gonna work within our means. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I'll do I'll do what I can. If I can find one, I'll send it to you. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and without further ado, I think it's time we hear a word from our sponsors. Hey there, it's Agent the Masterful Dude of Doodliness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most from the Fan Freaks podcast, and you're listening to Robots Don't Age, and you should listen more and more and more. And more. And we're back. As we discussed earlier, we are going to be talking about the films of Kevin Smith and where they stand in our own personal rankings. Uh, I'll be honest. This is the second time we've done this, and I forgot completely the first rank. So we're going to just oh. do it all over again. That sounds perfect. Okay. Um, Adrian, would you like to start us off here with your number 13? My number 13 is probably going to be Tusk. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the one I have like the most amount of vitriol for. You know, that's weird because like out of all these movies, I can see it why you wouldn't consider it like a great movie. But in terms of him doing it, it's ambitious as fuck. Look, it is ambitious and we should reward that effort. But unfortunately, none of the characters are likable. Even the one that's turning into a walrus. I'm supposed yeah. to be the whole point of a horror movie, right? We get the final girl. That's the one that doesn't do the drugs. That's the one that doesn't have sex. That's the one that's been through so much and seen her friends die. And we're supposed to be sympathetic towards her. It's not, she's very, uh, she's not three dimensional. She's not fleshed out at all, but she's an insert. Justin Long's character is someone you fucking genuinely hate. For all the shit that he's done to his girlfriend, all the shit he's done throughout his life. It's almost like, I want you to become a walrus. I want you to suffer. Also, the simple fact of the matter is that third act is kind of deplorable to watch and sit through. Prop, props, I mean, props to Kevin for, for actually having uh, um, prosthetics on the... I would love to have been there at that department when they asked, you want me to build a what for a human? You know, <laughs> how big is this going to be? And actually making a human walrus is wacky as shit. Yeah, the creature design is fucking disturbing. And I mean, a lot of the movies done really well, like especially from a technical standpoint. But you're right. The biggest issue with it is going to be the characters because like you just don't fucking care about any of them. The best friend's a piece of shit. The girlfriend's a piece of shit. Justin Long's easy to hate. I mean, the only really likable character is fucking Johnny Depp's character, who's uh, a wacky Inspector Cusco or whatever, the fucking yeah. Pink Panther. And that's just a blatant rip off of that. 
And it just dawned on me, and I'm going to ask you this. Uh, did this, I think this came out after uh, Human Centipede. So I know he got the idea from from his podcast that somebody wrote it, like sent him in a a want ad for a roommate to dress up as a walrus and all that stuff. But the design of that suit is very grotesque, like a human centipede thing. I don't know. Hmm. I wouldn't say that I see like a lot of relation to human centipede in there, other than the fact that the creature is disturbing like human centipede is, but that'd be about it. I mean, it's just graphic body horror. Right, but graphic body horror wasn't in vogue be- until human centipede made it like, oh my god, it's so disturbing. And then we have Tusk, which is again graphic body horror. I was just trying to make a a s- similarity there, I guess. That's fair. Kevin did talk about though, like he did always enjoy those old rubber monster movies, so maybe came part from that. I mean, I I guess I see where you're coming from as well. Like I said, I don't actually know, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Tusk. Mm. Neither do I. I watched it once. I watched it in theaters. That shows how devoted I was. And then I walked away going, this is fucking terrible. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that stuck with me for how fucked up it is. But the more I thought about it originally, the more I realized the characters are probably the worst part about it. And that itself kind of kind of late makes it really low on the list for me. Even despite the third act, if the characters had some redeeming qualities, I probably would have been a lot more on board. Hmm. Now, what's your number 13? Cop out. (laughs) Okay, is it is it because of the script, or is it because of how bad Bruce Willis was? I don't. Bruce Willis just did what Bruce Willis tends to do. I feel like, but I mean, his back and forth with Tracy Morgan was fun. I just the car chases weren't all that great for the most part. Um, The storyline wasn't something that I really could get too deeply into. Uh, God, I know I fucking Stifler. Um, that guy, of course, hilarious. Him and Tracy Morgan going back and forth was great. Sean William Scott. <laughs> yes. He's, uh, him and Tracy are great. And what's funny is, I think the reason why Kevin got him in the movie is because they worked together on Southland Tales. And they had a, apparently a really good time just cracking jokes. Supposedly, that's, that's, that's what happened behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, like I said, cop out. A lot of it's fun, like the writing back and forth, but it's not a movie I'm going to pick up and rewatch anytime soon if I can remember details about it. No, you know I, I mean, like, I, I don't need to go back and revisit. Yeah, it's, it's one of those movies you see once and that's it. But it's given us so much material. Like, Kevin did an, like an hour and a half special talking about that fucking movie. And it was one, it was a and a but it was one question that somebody asked about Cop Out. And he spent an hour and a half just wrecking Bruce Willis, just fucking destroying him through <laughs> and through. That. And it's like, uh, good Lord. Yeah, I, I think I saw that special before I saw the movie even. I mean, that that's probably a great way to see the movie is watch the special first and be like, was Bruce really that bad? And then you watch the movie and you go, yep. He was really that bad. You can just see Bruce Willis actively not giving a shit throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, how is that different from now? Uh, Right. All right, buddy. uh, Number 12. Number 12 for me is probably also going to be Cop Out. Or, hold on. Let me me look through his uh, filmography here. Okay. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yoga Hosers was bad. <laughs> uh, but but the Bratsies, as you pointed out once. Uh, yeah, cop out. Fuck it. Um, cop okay. out. Cop out. Final answer. Do I win? Who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, cop out is... You sure as fuck did win it. Nobody won who wants to be a millionaire on cop out. People fucking lost money on cop out. <laughs> that is true. Uh, cop out's just... If there was a movie to be called Force, it's that. You know what yeah, I mean? Fair enough. I mean, I don't know, like, because I know obviously we're going to go through every movie on the list. So I kind of went through my thoughts on Cop Out. It's, yeah, I, it's it's a movie. It's, um, I also saw it in theaters. I try to watch every Kevin movie in theaters. I didn't see Reboot in theaters because, fuck, it was a limited release. But uh, when it comes to Cop Out, I think I watched it and I walked away feeling meh, like I didn't get anything really out of it. The only good thing I, th- I would think is that one scene with Tracy Morgan just repeating the word no. You know, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Tracy Morgan did have that really good scene in the interrogation room where he just kept re- like going with the uh, movie references. I enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah, but that's just Tracy Morgan just having a shitload of fun. Like, I felt Tracy and Kevin, Kevin just goes, Tracy, do whatever the fuck you want. Just, you're in the zone, auto zone, go do it. All right, Tracy, look, I need you to look at me. I need you to carry this fucking movie. Do you hear me? (laughs) Pretty much. Bruce didn't do any carrying. Bruce uh, carried his bag of shit and went to the trailer and stayed there. Yeah, he was on set. We can say that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your number 11? Uh, my number 12 was Tusk. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you already did too. My bad. Your number 12 is Tusk? Yeah, I don't, yeah, my number 12 is Tusk. Pretty much for every reason you listed, the characters aren't great. The third act's pretty wonky. There are certain things about it that I enjoy, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch it anytime soon. It's another, you watch it once and you're fine. You'll never see it again. Yeah, I, I get I uh because you're not wrong. Like I don't actively desire to watch that movie at any point, so I don't really wanna belittle it or rag on it too much at this point. Um what's your number eleven, dude? My number eleven is probably gonna be Yoga Hosers. It was close to twelve, but fuck it. Yoga Hosers, while I love the the buddy stuff between the two girls, I think it's great. They have actual chemistry, but this movie is basically a an almost PG-13 rated R Scooby-Doo movie. You know what I mean? No, nothing about that sounds bad to me. If someone would have pitched me Yoga Hosers with that premise, I would have been so fucking on board. Yes, but it just doesn't hit right. Like, I feel the jokes fall flat. The Bratsies are are really bad looking. It looks like an Asylum movie more than anything. Like, Evil Bong... Or Ginger Dead Man, bad. You know okay. what I mean? Which is fine. Which is fine. I'm fine with watching those movies. I don't want to knock them. I love a good D-list movie where the best acting are the breasts jumping up and down. I'm fine with that. But it's a Both Kevin... Those girls were underage. Okay, Yoga Hosers. I'm talking about the Asylum movies <laughs> that people watch religiously. The fucking... I good, good, good. Never mind. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about... Have you seen Asylum Pictures? No, and I get—I don't want to be a dick. I just—I don't enjoy watching bad movies. I enjoy all movies 
because there's always some merit to it. And there's always that, oh, it's so bad, it's good. The evil Bong movies are fucking terribly bad. Like, you can just tell everyone, no one gave a shit. Like, there's a pervy old man called uh, Rabbit. And every time he sees a pair of tits, he's like, Rabbit's got to grab it. And, like, that's the funniest thing they came up with. Anyway, besides those movies, I could go on a tear. Uh, But fucking when it comes to um, Yoga Hosers, I watched it and I don't remember laughing. I don't remember going, oh, that's funny. I just, I thought this is terrible. It wasn't witty. It wasn't funny. It wasn't sharp. It was rather dull and unimpressive. Again, I, I give tip of the hat to the two girls. I forget their names. I know one's Harley Quinn Smith. And the other one, I forgot her first name, but she's the daughter of Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp's here. And I think it's it's fun. What they do is fun, and they carry the movie. Without them, it'd be fucking number 13. It'd be worse than Tusk. But Oof. but wow. that, that being said, everything around the movie is shit. It's, it's a parody of what Kevin Smith did with Clerks, and he made his own parody. I mean, damn. All right, some strong feelings about yoga hosers, but uh, feel the way you feel, man. It's your list. I mean, it's not strong feelings. That would imply I had anything to feel with this movie. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. What's He's already dead. <laughs> oh, bro, fuck. I just oh, saw God. the next one on my rank. <laughs> all right, so without further ado, my number 11 is Jay and Silent Bob reboot. That's my number 10. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, I, I know we've talked about this, and I kept watching the movie because I wanted to like it. It's just so fucking insider baseball, though. Like, even for me as a hardcore fan, I listen to his podcast. I watch all of his movies, especially the earlier ones. Like, he's one of the reasons why I want to be a filmmaker and, like, what encouraged me to do it. But Reboot just, it just, it's, it just doesn't land with me the way it should, like the other movies do. Honestly, the best scene in it is the Chasing Amy scene with Holden McNeil and Joey Lauren Adams. Like, that's probably the best scene. Everything about this movie is just blah. It's not funny. It's not smart. He just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, some of the jokes landed for me. They had good insider references, like, you dirty sheet fuckers instead of sheep. That was kind of entertaining. But I, yeah, I I do see where you're coming from. Like, compared to Jay and Silent Bob's Strike Back, Reboot is a much lesser comedic version. Maybe it's just for a different generation. Maybe he's just trying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it either. It's, it's just, it's blah. It's, I don't, I don't know what other way to say it other than blah. I, I, if I, I, I'm glad he's making Clerks three because I don't want that to be the last View Askew movie. That's a fair point. I'm I'm more worried that like his comedy and kind of the rest of it's kind of it feels like he went out of his way in that movie a lot to explain why everything was inclusive with everyone. Yeah. Or like when Harley Quinn Smith was talking about like she's fucked up just like them too because she didn't have a father. The whole time I'm just yelling, that doesn't fucking matter as much as you think it does. So many people are fine. You have a home with two parents. Get fucked. Yeah, dude. Like, it's just... Like you have... It's, uh, yeah, there are certain things about it that feels like you're just trying really hard to make people feel for these characters. And I'm like, I just don't care about it. Go back to the go back to the jokes, please. 
So let's pretend I just did my number 10. We're going to go to your number not, uh, your number yeah. 10 right now. But I just wanted to say about Reboot, um, because Google listens and it's been listening to me talk about Reboot and how bad it is. I got an article that came out that a film critic, I don't know from what fucking blog, report, reporter, whatever, he said, Jane Silent Bob Reboot is a movie you shouldn't watch. He was like giving one of his lists of like top five movies to watch during the pandemic or whatever to watch at home. And Reboot wasn't something to watch. And Kevin Smith actually responded to that and was like, why would you say that? That's fucking mean. At least let people watch it. You know, no movie should ever be said, don't watch it. And he and Kevin Smith also said, yeah, it's a movie that I tried to make about fatherhood and how important that is. And it's. And it's exactly the point you just said. The girl has two parents that love her. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter, oh, there's a father or not. It just didn't land. It wasn't good. If Justice Smith was just like, oh, she was killed and Jay's long lost daughter was in an orphanage, that would make more sense, right? Yeah. Or, like, Jay came back and just, I don't know, Justice didn't uh, get remarried and there was a whole complex about it or something instead of a happy, functioning home. With a huge house. It was a beautiful house and she goes to, like, private school and she gets to do whatever the fuck she wants in her room. And it's like, bro, really? That's a house in Chicago. I cannot, I don't even know what that would cost. Or, like, a suburb of Chicago. I can't even fathom what that would be. Like houses around here that are that nice are like three to four hundred thousand. So I don't get fucked. And not only that, Rosario Dawson shows up in a fucking huge car. Like, really? Like it just what what were you trying to do, Kevin? The fuck were yeah, you trying to do? Did not translate all that well with the fatherhood aspect of it. But um, you know, I do agree that you shouldn't blinkly say, Don't watch this movie. Just fucking don't say anything about it at all. Then I don't know, it's how I am with movies I don't like usually. Except on this list. So, your number 10. <laughs> Jersey Girl. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's It's a fun movie. I watched it with uh, my girlfriend who also hadn't seen it. And she just described it as like, oh, this is like a perfect insert 2004 movie. Like, it's just another kind of 2000-ish movie. Yeah. that that's such, a, that's such a good way to call it. Like, when you watch a movie in the 90s, you go, ah. 90s or an 80s action flick ah it's 80s but this movie is like remember the early 2000s where we didn't let go the 90s but we haven't embraced the new millennium yet here's jersey Girl. yeah and like i mean ben affleck does a good job as the father uh, i love george carlin in it i mean george carlin's probably the best part of the movie if i'm being honest with you like it's an enjoyable enough flick the actress the uh the young girl she was hilarious too like the line delivery but i don't know just Again, like out of the Kevin Smith movies, if I really had to pick, this one's not that high up on the list. I hate to, I hate to do it again, but yeah, Jersey Girl's not that good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to harp on it too much. Um, what is your number nine, you beautiful bearded bastard? Jersey Girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's be honest. Uh, one thing you pointed out uh, that you didn't bring up now because I think you forgot it was that scene where fucking Ben Affleck's character loses his shit on the little girl and your girlfriend, I think turned to you and said, Oh, that's years of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. We were watching it and it's the yelling 
Um, spoiler alert for Jersey Girl, which I do like. You guys should watch it. It's a fine movie, but he's yelling at his daughter, and he's like, "I hate you too, you little shit. You and your mother took my life away from me, and I want it back." And like instantly, I'm like, "Oh, she's gonna be in therapy for years. Like, no matter what he does, that's going to circle back in her mind down the road, and it's gonna stop her dead in her tracks." Yeah, uh, I think the same problems I had with most of the later mo- the the movies here on the bottom of the list because I think this is where we're going to the above average to good movies now. This is like the midpoint because this is functionally a good movie. This is functionally a film, but it's very safe. It's PG thirteen. It's it's very out of. Uh, Kevin Smith's wheelhouse. This is him not trying to do view school. Like, there's even a fucking crane shot in this movie, and that's the first time he's ever done a crane shot. It is weird to think if this movie had done better, what his career could have done, or where he would have gone with it instead. I would be super scared. <laughs> <laughs> let's give Kevin Smith money to make movies now. Yeah, let's let's let him do movies that aren't view askew, and then we wouldn't have Clerks Two, which is a fucking great movie. Yeah, I mean, I in the alternative universe, I do want to see what happens, but you, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself with Clerks 2, but you really can't top that one very well, because that's a fucking beautiful movie. Um, Yeah, that's my thoughts on Jersey Girl anyways. Yeah, same as mine. So uh, w- that was your 10 and my 9. Yeah. What's, your, what's your 9? You know, I really genuinely had a good time watching Yoga Hosers, man. I don't get it. But you do you, bro. I don't get it's, it, but you do you. I mean, the like you said, the girls have a fun relationship. Um, yeah, there's, really legitimate, there's legitimate chemistry yeah. there. There's legitimate, like, oh, I believe these two would hang out. I believe they would be friends. Oh, yeah, they were best friends, actually, in real life. I think that's how they got Johnny Depp in there. Um, but, yeah, I... I don't know, like, the Baratsis are fun. I know you don't really like the way they look, but I believe they were done practical, and then he had a... Andrew McElfish, McKel- whatever, one of his podcast co-hosts did the special effects for it too, which is kind of resourceful. It's a like it's a different type of movie. It's a PG-13 convenience store, like, girl buddy drama thing or buddy comedy. But I enjoyed it. It was what he promised it would be. Just kind of a fun, strange thing. Wow, that was also PG-13? That's interesting. I, I believe so, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, so that's your number nine, right? Yes, sir. Uh, give me your number eight. eight. All right. So from here on out, I love all these movies. Um, there's the top three are probably going to stay top three, but I love all these movies. So here we go. I think I'm going to go Red State on number eight. Beautiful. It's an amazing horror movie. It's what I wanted Tusk to be. <laughs> Uh, because you have uh, one likable character in John Goodman. You have the three idiots that went into this church not knowing what was going to happen. And then you have the church being like super, um, super Westboro Baptist church where it's super relatable. You know, I keep saying super, but fucking it's relatable. Yeah, it's it's relatable in in as much as. I could see this happening. This has happened. This is an insert for Waco, Texas, or whatever the fuck other cults have happened. And the camera work in this movie is amazing. I love the camera work. Did he use the same DP, Dave Klein, that he used for the other ones? 
Uh, let me double check here on IMDb. Because I think it's the same guy, but you're right. Technically speaking, it is the most beautiful film he's done. So much so that I forget that it's his movie at times. Let me see the cinematography. Yeah, David Klein. Holy shit. So it's the same guy that's done pretty much all of Kevin Smith's work. Yeah, the guy's clearly talented. Like, this is the type of films they could make if they really wanted to. And, um, yeah, dude, fucking Red State is like the perfect horror movie for all the religious aspects. Although there is one small correction. The three idiots went to a trailer. They didn't go into the church. Oh, my bad. Thank you. Uh, It's been too long since I've seen it. I should rewatch it. Uh, But William Parks acted the shit out of this. And while granted, he acted the shit out of Tusk, but here I felt more personable with him. You know what I mean? The, William Parks. Yeah, the 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 church uh, owner, the pastor. Oh, okay, that's that's right. Yeah, I know who you're talking about the guy that was also in from Dust Till Dawn. He was. Yeah, Kevin talked about that, didn't he? On one of the. All right, it's it's either here nor there for this particular topic, but um, yeah. Anyhow. Red State, beautiful religious horror film. Uh, that was my eight, correct? We're on eight now? Yes. Uh, do you need to to give <laughs> that that precursor that from here on out, these are good movies? I I mean, I don't... Other than like maybe Tusk and Cop Out, I don't necessarily dislike any of the movies on this list all that much. But yeah, I do absolutely love these movies. And that's why, same as you, uh, Red State is my number eight. Ooh, I f- we have a lot of similarities here. Really, it's it's a little it's a little funny how that's working out. Um, but there, I think there was a shot that I really love, and I want to tell you about it. It was um, where John Goodman's trying to negotiate, and they keep ignoring him, and then you just hear like this a couple gunshots, and then you have this great uh, almost uh, tilt up to the face of John Goodman and that look of shock and horror. And John Goodman's a fucking phenomenal actor. That's probably the best actor aside from Alan Rickman that Kevin's worked with, honestly. You know, I don't remember that shot, but I think I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Red State today just so I can catch that because it is one of those movies of his that I just don't think about, but is really fucking beautiful and well done. Like we keep mentioning. Yeah. Like I, all I remember is good things about that movie. Like I walked out of the theater going, Holy fuck. I'm fine with him doing these movies for the rest of his life. I don't need, I don't need Jay and Silent Bob anymore. This I'm fine with this. I would have been on board for that. Um, did you hear the story about how he tried or what he did? Basically, the publicity stunt for the uh, distribution rights for this. No. Okay, so this is a great uh, this is a great Hollywood story. So Kevin Smith holds a whole conference after he screens the movie, and then he's like, "All right, we're gonna do an open auction for the distribution," and he gets up there. Now, this was, um, it was either the New York Jets were in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. I can't remember around that time. You would know better than me, honestly. They, they haven't been to the Super Bowl in years. It was the playoffs. If this Okay. Is, they, they were, yeah, that 2011, they had just finished the AFC Championship. I think this came out earlier than that, but the, it was something to do with like a Jets game, I thought. Maybe it was Giants. I don't know. But like basically because everyone in Hollywood is from the East Coast, you know, they wanted to watch them play. So they go to see this. Kevin Smith does his thing. It's a work obligation. And then he gets up there in front of everyone who just spent like an hour plus watching this movie and buys the movie rights himself for $20 in front of everyone and pisses off the entire room. <laughs> Oh, what a fucking legend, dude. 
No, no. It, he shot himself in the foot because he talked about this in one of his latest podcasts. Michael episodes. Michael Parks, not William Parks. My Michael, bad. Okay. So years after the fact, he's shopping around the Mallrats sequel. He's either the Mallrats sequel or Clerks 3 at first, but this is before the heart attack. And he goes into, uh, or one of his agents, someone's selling it around. And the guy tells that story and he doesn't buy the fucking film because Kevin Smith ruined his day. The guy that used to be an agent now, like, ran some studio, and as soon as he found out that Kevin Smith was trying to make this, he's like, you know, I was there for the Red State screening, and just because of that would not make the fucking uh, property that Kevin Smith was trying to sell. Well, it, it's a good joke. I feel Kevin got a lot of laughs for it. <laughs> but, it's fucking great. Uh, all right, buddy. Uh, unless you had any more, what's your number seven? Zach and Mary make a porno. I really enjoyed this fucking movie. Um, I rewatch it and I love uh, Brandon St. Randy fucking Justin Long character where, <laughs> where and that whole thing with Seth Rogen and Justin Long just, you know, going on like it's so good. It's so fucking genuine. Oh, you're, I'm I'm in movies with all male casts. Really? You're in fucking movies? Fucking movies. Yep. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, you're in fucking movies? <laughs> yeah, that, like, Justin Long, for the one scene he had, was marvelous in it. Um, yeah, dude, Zack and Mary is one of those, again, like, it should have done better than it did. It's a, from start to finish, great movie. It is, and he got a lot out of his actors. He got a lot out of the material. They were very organic. It was very... Um, it was just funny. Like this, the jokes are still good to this day. Fucking, um, who's the best friend of Seth Rogen's character, uh, Zach's character? Not Mary Craig Robinson. Craig Rob. Oh my god. Um, hey, let me get a cup of, cup of coffee. Black. Can't you see we talking? White. Like, uh, <laughs> bro, that fucking delivery. <laughs> it's like everything about it too. Like his wife busting his balls constantly. Uh, his arguments about having to work on Black Friday, just his character so like mad and stressed out, like argumentative. It's man, everyone in this movie fucking delivers. A hundred percent agree. Wait, what number was that? Seven. That was your yeah seven. Oh okay, so we're on your eight now, right? Uh no, my eight was also Red State. Oh okay, your seven now. My seven is going to be Dogma. I like dog. I like Dogma a lot, man. There's nothing bad with Dogma. There's nothing wrong with it. I just like here's the problem that I had making this list. I started at number thirteen, but as I went up, especially around like five, I couldn't figure out where the fuck to put any of these because I enjoy all these movies. I think with Dogma, my issue with it might be is that like you can't buy the physical copy of it, and it's not really available widely, so I don't think about it or watching it as often, even though I own it. So like when it comes to Kevin Smith films, I usually just put on the. Uh, clerks or strikes back or something and maybe it's just the repetition of those that has me like put dogma a little bit lower down on this list i i can see why i get that i just dogma as a as a catholic really answers a lot of questions you know and, yeah. it, and it helps a lot it fucking helps a lot and i actually um as you know i met kevin at a Q and A in in a convention down here in Miami, 
And this was before, uh, what was his latest movie? Before, uh, reboot, reboot, way before reboot, before reboot was even a talk, he was still talking about the Marad sequel. So I asked him a question. First, I hugged him and I said, thank uh, This is the greatest moment of my life. And I asked him a question. So listen, you, you talked about Mallrats 2. You know, we're, we're seeing where, where these characters are. We're seeing their kids maybe. But why can't we find a movie for the last Scion, the fucking, the, the baby of the main actress? Uh, and he's like, well... I got death threats for the first one. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, he talks about that a lot. Catholics did not fuck with Dogma, apparently. No, but it was also because the distribution was done by Disney first. And then Disney dropped it. And then somebody else picked it up. I think it was New Line. And the death threats stopped coming. Like, oh. one one of the death threats, Kevin brings it up a lot, was, you Jews better wear your flak jackets because we're going to come in there with shotguns. And it's like, well, shit. I mean, that just sounds like a regular Twitter user at this point. Yeah, and I was going to say, in today's society, that actually sounds like someone who would have showed up in the Capitol on January 6th. Anyways! <laughs> not to get political! He did get a lot of death threats for that, which I found really fucking bizarre. Like, I'm not a Catholic. I'm not... There's like, a I fucking raised in religion. There's a poop monster in it. How serious can you take this film? It's also a Kevin Smith movie at that time. How serious were you supposed to take that film? Fucking. Uh, the Cardinal would would bless the instrument. Oh, you mean to tell me Silent Bob's a fucking instrument of God? You know, that's that's just <laughs> great. That's just great. Um, no, dumbass. Uh, all right. Yeah, the shit monster, too. And Jay and Silent Bob join and become the de facto leaders of a gang. Another thing they don't really address in the later fucking sequels that'd be kind of fun to mess around with. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, they were the only people left in the gang. The rest of the gang died from the shit monster. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they got their union cards anyway, so they don't really need to worry too much. Um, (laughs) What is your number six? I think it's going to be Mallrats. Oh fuck! All right. Um, don't get me wrong. These these top six, I watch them all the time. I watch them as much as I can. I don't miss out on them. But Mallrats is one of those movies that I've watched so much I don't need to watch it ever again. Oh, okay, that's reasonable. I haven't gotten there yet myself, but yeah. And also, it's it's fun. It's very fun, but. Now, the only time I watch that movie is with the director commentary because it's the entire cast and everybody's just talking over each other. And I'd rather listen to that because it's a podcast before the podcast. You know what I'm saying? And you have Kevin on on audio saying, uh, oh, no, that was for Chasing Amy's uh, director commentary where he talked about (laughs) fuck Laserdisc. I mean, fuck DVD, go Laserdisc. Um, well, uh, anyway, he made a choice, Kevin. <laughs> he did. He did. But Mallrats, um, it's good. It's really good. I just don't need to watch it ever again. I, all right. I mean, I'll uh, get to it later on in my list with Mallrats for my thoughts on it, I suppose. Because, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm trying to wrap this up because this is uh, going to be our lo- your longest Robot Stone Age episode at this point. Uh, except for the time where you and Bone King just came over and beat the shit out of me in the trivia for a while. That, that took a bit. Hey, man, you took it like a good little whore. 
Um, but yeah, uh, my number six would be Zach and Miri make a porno. That high up. I laugh from start to finish on this movie. There's not like any scene that I look at that I dislike. Everything from like Seth Rogen putting a hand warmer down his pants to their fucking power going out in the apartment and having a dance sequence. Like just everything about it was fun. Everything was a good time. Nothing could be looked at in like a new modern lens where people would get offended by anything. It's just from start to finish a great movie. It's really fucking good. It's really good. Um, it's the most Judd Apatow, Kevin Smith movie, which is what I said during my thing. It's it's just really good. I agree with you. I would rewatch it now. I'm I'm proud to own it, and it's a movie that I actually put on for date nights when I'm with a girl. The very few times that happens, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe I should change it up because it doesn't, and it doesn't go for a date two. They only see me <laughs> date one, and that's that. I gotta change it up. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't plan on being single again, but uh, if for whatever reason it happens, maybe I'll give that a shot just to see what the results are. Though I I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, I know we covered Zack and Mary pretty at length. It's just one of those movies that I like to keep rewatching because it's just it's not boring at any section. Um, but yeah, without any further ado, sir, what's your number five? Clerks. Oh, <laughs> I knew that was gonna get. It's Clerks. I think Clerks 2 is better. That's why it's higher up. But Clerks, it's his first movie. We all know it. We all love it. It it deserves its top five. You could argue top three. Uh, once we get to my three, I guess we could argue of whether or not to switch it. But just like Mallrats, it's one of those movies I've watched so much, I'm fine with never seeing again. Because I'm, I remember it visually, you know? I remember it so much. What are you watching? I, Hermaphroditic hmm. porn. Best of both worlds. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm man, I, I just, I gotta think about the fact that it's number five for you. Like, I understand why, because it's it's his first film. A lot's come out since then. And technically speaking, all of his other films are better, but, ah, man, number five is a spot. It is what it is, bro. That's, that's my yeah. five. I mean, I just think Clerks 2 is a little better. It's really, we're talking about the best of, right? His first movie isn't the best. He was very, he was very rigid. The acting isn't that great. Um, I do love the black and white aesthetic. I do love that. I do love the chapters with all these words. Like he's fucking, like he's Richard Linklater. Like he pulled a super Richard Linklater move with the, with the words. Um, I don't even remember some of them. Sorry. Well, I guess I should rewatch it. Uh, yeah, I uh, I get all those points. I just, man, hard pressed to think that would be five. I'm st- I know this is not like great podcasting. I'm just really like hypnotized by the thought that it's number five. It's number five for me, but what's your? Uh, uh my number five, the dude is Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That's my the- number four. So we'll just say okay. that. That's my number four. Um. This was actually my first View Askew film, and I know that's completely out of order, but it just happened to be, like, what my brother's friend, who is an older dude, just showed us. And, like, I didn't get the references of the other movies. I was confused as to why the fuck Ben Affleck and uh, Jason Lee were different characters, but everything else worked. 
everything about like the Jay and Silent Bob back and forth was hysterical. I didn't mind not being in the side. It's just it was just a great movie. It's also probably the most publicized of Kevin Smith's movies. Like it got huh. so much uh marketing behind it. You know what I mean? Compared to all of his other movies, this one got the most marketing because the amount of people that showed up for like the last movie or whatever. You have fucking Wes Craven there. You had Gus Van Zant. You had Matt Damon and Ben Affleck reenacting Goodwill Hunting, but it was Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season. <laughs> I don't like those apples at all. What are we gonna do? <laughs> we have a we have a code fifty six. Aha! I didn't have any hookers today. <laughs> the sign on the car said "Critters of Hollywood." You fuck. Say it, don't spray it. You know, just like, <laughs> just Will like Ferrell's great. Oh my oh. god! And the fact that he's Marshall Will and Holly, and then he later on does Land of the Lost. Huh? Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that. No, I mean Land of the Lost is a forgettable movie, but that's that's where Kevin got the name Marshall Will and Holly. It's like, oh, I just did Land of the Lost and put them all together. And I, and that I, seems like a very Kevin Smith thing to do. It is a Kevin Smith thing to do. It is. And, you know, just seeing Randall kick them out of the fucking quick stop. Also, we all, when we're waiting for somebody, we all do Jay's rap. 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, oh. My jungle love. Yeah. Owe me, owe me, oh. I want to get to know you, know you. Um, what the fuck is yeah. that? Them shit's the Mad Notes, written by God herself and handed down to the greatest band in the world. The motherfucking time. What is that, Purple Rain? Yeah. And then we just go on. And those kids come back for the reboot, which makes me happy. Fuck, wait. Where are they in the reboot? They're the ones in the convention that own their own weed dispensary. Oh, man. I got to watch it- that one scene. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I just told you what it was. And they and they fucking did the whole noich to, to Jay, and it was fucking hilarious. Oh, that's good. I fucking completely missed that. Um, so you said that was also your number four, right? Yeah. Okay, so without further ado, my number four is Clerks 2. Good fucking pick. Really good pick. Really good pick. There's a lot of heart in this one. Like, when I picked these movies, I really had to fucking struggle to decide what went where, because same with Zack and Mary, there's not anything in this movie that I would change or take out. I love, like, I love the back and forth of the Rosario Dawson and Brian O'Halloran. The donkey show scene is fucking hilarious. Like, it's... Bro, uh, that donkey show scene. Holy shit. You can't show that to anybody. <laughs> like, that. that is so out there, but it's so fucking funny. And, um... One ring to rule them all. Ugh, no wonder you're a virgin. You know, if Kevin Smith doesn't name Clerks 3 Return of the Clerks, I'm going to be fucking livid. <laughs> that's that's so fucking good. That's true. I've been trying to, t- I've been tweeting this at him for years. Like, hey, by the way, Clerks 3 should be called Return of the Clerks because you made the fucking joke. The tagline could literally be, <laughs> there's only one, like, there's only one return in the name of the king or the Jedi. It's of the clerk. It's right there. That's the marketing. And let's be honest. Like that 
that whole argument between Star Wars and Lord of the Rings is such a good argument. And we've all done it. We've all had yeah. that argument. Like, I like I like Lord of the Rings just fine, but fucking Star Wars all the way, man. Yeah, same. Also, you know, Porch Monkey, I'm bringing it back. You can't oh, bring it back. It's a racial slur. Oh, that whole scene was fucking like, you, you forget about how bad it gets where he just keeps going and going. Oh, oh my God. And just everybody showing up, fucking Wanda Sykes and everything. Oh, God, so good. My grandmother wasn't racist. <laughs> Although she did say she would put the Sheenie curse on me. What? <laughs> oh, well, you know, come to think of it, she was a little racist. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. The Clerks too, dude. I just, uh, it brings me such joy, too, to, like, see the characters and the way they progress and, like, how it ends with them getting the store. It's such a beautiful little tie-in to, again, for, like, the second out of three times where it was supposed to be a wrap-up for the View of Skewverse. Um, what's your number four, dude? Dogma. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit about Dogma on your thing. On my end, it's just, it's really good for a Catholic to watch this and, and think about, like, all these fucking questions. I'm raised on religion. I live in a house with a church, for God's sakes. And, uh, my, pa- my parents are pastors. So it's like, huh. Why didn't Mary get down with Joe for, you know, why isn't there like relatives and and shit like that? What would God's favorite pastime be? Skee-ball. <laughs> Which I love because if I go to an arcade, that's my favorite pastime. I fucking love skee-ball. And I love, love that third act where Jay gets a kiss from God and it just passes him out. And making God Alanis Morissette is my favorite thing. Yeah, I'd say like, and like you said, we talked about it. I'm not, I wasn't raised, I wasn't raised in a religious household, so I didn't really have as much context for it as you did being Catholic. But every other part about it was a solid movie. I mean, it was everything that I'd want out of a Kevin Smith flick. A hundred percent. I, I also, come on, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck work really well together. There's chemistry all around. The only probably hard part is Linda Florentino. And according to Kevin, she was a nightmare to work with. What role was that? Uh, she was the the main girl. She oh. Was, she was yeah. the, the one that was supposed to stop the, the angels. Can I tell you something? Uh, it's a funny Kevin Smith story, and I'm sure you've you've heard of it. But we should talk about it for the audience. Kevin brought Kevin brought it up in a Q and A, where he talked about how he was promoting the movie at Con, I think it was Con or Sundance, one of those European ones, and he was invited on a boat with Quentin, Bruce Willis, and Sammy Jackson and Madonna. Have you heard about this story? I have not. So Kevin gets on the boat and he's like starstruck because this is him in, you know, after Dogma. He hasn't met Bruce Willis yet, who's he's a big fan of. Quentin, this is the start of their friendship. And Madonna and Quentin are arguing about the Reservoir Dog scene. <laughs> uh, uh, for those that don't haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, first, first off, what's wrong with you? Second... It's the scene where Like a Virgin's about dick, getting dick, 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 dick. That's a lot of dick. Um, and 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 Madonna's just just 
you know, arguing that that's not what Like a Virgin's about. And Quentin's like, you know, standard Quentin. I'm going to do a really bad Quentin impression. But like, you know, I made the character die. So he's a stupid character. Therefore, don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> but but then Sammy but Sammy Jackson like whips out a fucking fatty joint and they all take hits. And they all get high on a yacht at like Con or Sundance. I forget which one. But that was Just like so you know right hmm. after this, I'm going to start working on scripts so I can have that experience. Anyways. Then, there you go. I can't wait to be invited. <laughs> um Yeah, uh speaking of Reservoir Dogs, real quick. Definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. If people haven't seen it, again, what the fuck? I mean, it's definitely... It's really good. It's probably my top ten list of movies of all time. I don't know about top five. Because it's not my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie is Inglorious Bastards. But still, that's Reservoir Dogs is really fucking great. Um, And that was your number four, Dogma, correct? Correct. Okay, so moving on to my number three, then. We have us, Mallrats. Solid choice. Solid choice. It's really good. I first saw this one when I was like 17 on Video On Demand, and I was like, oh, Kevin Smith. I vaguely recognize that name from other stuff, and I put it on. Really enjoyed the movie from start to finish. Um, See, this is I was 17, so then shortly thereafter, I actually ended up moving to Minnesota with a friend, and uh, I had a little bit of money. And one of the first purchases that I made was Mallrats on DVD so I could keep watching it. <laughs> That's pretty good. I actually own the script. I own the script for Mallrats. I have a thing. I think I'm going to just send it to you because I don't really have a space for it. But it's like this this compendium of everything of Mallrats. It's the script. It's uh, behind the scenes pictures. I like found it back when video stores were a thing and they would show they would sell movie memorabilia. And yeah, I'll I'll I wanna send it out to you because you deserve it. I would fucking love that, dude. Um yeah, I actually joined the uh Kevin Smith fan club, which like if you paid X amount a month, you also got like physical stuff. So for thirty bucks a month you'll send you like scripts. So I actually have like little versions of the scripts for clerks, small rats, and chasing Amy. Oh, God, that Chasing Amy script must be a delight. Yeah, it's just sitting there in my uh, desk right now, actually. I haven't gotten around to it because I'm still working through all the Judd Apatow backlog scripts that I have, but it's on the list. Um, yeah, man, Mallrats, it was one of the first things that I bought when I actually had my own money. Uh, it was shot in Minnesota, too, which I didn't know until after I bought it, but I just, it's uh, I love the movie. I love the uh, three-nipple fortune teller <laughs> and all the, like, the Batman-ish jokes. It's, I'm... I'm upset that it didn't do better when it first came out. Fly, fat ass, fly. <laughs> yeah, it should It should have done better. It should have done better. Yeah. Um, without further ado, what is your number three? I think it's going to be Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think that's my number three. I, I'm hoping... I got to write down the list. See, I don't, yeah. I don't double oh, up well. on it. <laughs> All right, that's weird because your list is so fucking cl- like different or so close to what it was last time. Um, all right, so, fuck, your number three, spacing out here, your number three was, uh, what again? Jay and Bob Strike Back. I mean, yeah, it's a good spot for it. Like I said earlier, it was a great movie, especially because, like, it has all the tie-ins and references that, assuming you watched that close to the time it actually came out, probably worked a little bit better for you. 
Yeah, and it was the one that I watched ad nauseum back when I had cable, and then I eventually bought it, lost it, and then bought it again. Um, it's such a good time. It's such a good time, and it's and it's a joy to watch. It's just like Zach and Mary, where you're just laughing from beginning to end. I would agree with that completely. It's just not, but even like the bit where they're talking about who would want to watch a Blunt Man and Chronic movie, and they just turn and look at the camera. Bro, the fourth wall breaks. The fucking fourth wall breaks. What the fuck is the internet? Oh, that's where a bunch of people get together. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Moviepoopshoot.com. Which was an actual site he ran after that for a while, I guess. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was an actual site. Yeah, he had it up and running for a bit there anyways. Uh, what's? Wait, I did my three, so now it's your two, right? Yeah, my uh, number two. Man, this is cutting it close now. This is the top two. I have really personal stories for the both of these. So, my number two is chasing Amy. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, that's that's fine. That's a good place for it, I guess. <laughs> Your reaction. Um. All right. Look, I I first saw this when I was like, like I said earlier, I was living in Minnesota with my friend. Um, around the time I found the movie, I started dating a girl named Amy. And then as I was still binging the movie continuously, she had dumped me and I was in that like miserable, depressed teenager headspace. So that movie like really connected with me and I, everything about it, like the emotion, the characters, Ben Affleck falling in love. It's just so heartfelt. Like it's after, especially after what happened with Mallrats, it's what you want to see where, like, he takes this low-budget, like, Clerks, except obviously it was notably bigger, and makes a fucking wonderful film with it because you have to use what you have and not rely on a bigger budget. Yeah. But the script drives that movie. I mean, fair enough. Uh, you get to figure out how the whole, like, fisting thing works and how, you know, you just start slow and you get in there. <laughs> oh, the Jaws scene. <laughs> the fucking Jaws scene where they're just sitting around and remarking on the on the injuries that both her and uh oh uh, yeah the scene where they're sitting around comparing their scars and Ben Affleck's having like that slow meltdown <laughs> yeah and he's just getting angrier and angrier oh man I just yeah like he really had to work with uh, like a $250,000 for this movie and it made 10 times that back or maybe it was even fucking 20 I think it made like 25 million I'm not sure uh fuck I mean you want me to look it up yeah, sure. I mean, there's really not anything that I can point out with Chasing Amy that I don't like. The only thing that I can't watch, and it's only because of the auditory, is uh, Joey Adams crying. Because it's just a really loud shrieking sound that's hard on my ears. Uh, the box office was $12 million. Okay, still, fuck. That's a huge gross. I mean, for considering that budget, yeah. But you know what Kevin calls mall rats, right? Uh, No. A $5 million audition for Chasing Amy. Oh, you know what? I have heard that, actually. that uh, Yeah, it completely checks out. I mean, if you fucking like the people, keep working with them. It's what I do. Um, but it's, I, I can assume from how you reacted. I know uh, where it is on your list, so I won't go on too much longer. But, uh, dude, what's your number two? Clerks uh, 2. All right. Uh, I mean, we discussed it earlier. I fucking love the movie. Um, so the reason why it's so high up is because it took everything about the VSQ universe 
and made it better, and it kind of ends where it begins. I do want more View Skew movies as possible, because even if they are bad, I just, fuck it, I can ignore them. But, like, that would have been the perfect wrap-up for it. It is. It is the perfect wrap-up, which kind of worries me about Clerks 3, especially after seeing Reboot. I'm worried that it's not going to be as fulfilling as 2, because how do you top this perfect ending? Not only that, I legitimately cried when fucking Randall just, you know, yells at Dante and says, I would reopen the quick stop and I would work there. That's what we should do. And it's that bit, too, where he's like talking to Dante. He's like, I wouldn't have been your fucking friend if I knew you were just going to up and leave me. I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it, man. It's just it's such a fucking heartfelt, heart wrenching fucking movie. And it's so fucking good. And I love all the characters, the mishmash of characters. They're all Kevin specific. Um, Obviously, Jay and Jay and Bob, you know, get out of fucking get sober, but they still have to deal. And it's fucking funny. Is that a Bible? Hey, hey, the holy fucking Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Rosario Dawson, man, her chemistry with Brian O'Hara was sweet. Like that whole storyline, even though. And I know we talked about this last time, but like Dante Hicks is not a likable character or he shouldn't be. Not only that, how the fuck does he keep pulling girls? Holy shit. He's such a whiny piece of shit, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's always miserable about what he's doing. He doesn't take any great efforts to change his life. It doesn't seem like, I don't know, man, it's weird. But I do want to say. Uh, to go back to that Kevin Smith Q&A that I was at, Brian O'Halloran was there. And for a fan who specifically requested it, they reenacted the scene of Clerks 2 in the jail cell, and somebody was was Randall. The fan was Randall doing it to Dante. And Brian acted just like Dante. He did the whole head, the doughy-eyed face, the the whole shocked bewilderment thing and it was so good to see that brian did that for a fan brian hands down is one of the nicest people you could ever meet at a convention because everything i've heard about him sounds like he is just the sweetest most down-to-earth guy super down-to-earth like that dude will straight up drink with you if you're at a bar and you start talking about his work and he'll talk to you and see what you're doing like i know people that have gone to conventions worked at him and worked with him and he's just like cracking jokes he's having fun he can't believe he has fans he's such a genuinely nice guy uh yeah i would love to get to meet him some point especially because like the character of dante like i said even for someone who's continually cheating on his girlfriends and doing just poor stupid dumb guy shit like he's still a lovable character and i think that has everything to do with brian o'holloran it does because brian o'holloran uh brian o'holloran is just has that sympathetic look like, oh, but still he does all those things. He does those irredeemable things. Uh, but Clerks 2, Clerks 2 just kind of nails it, dude. For me, it's like everything I wanted Clerks to be, it's in Clerks 2. And that fucking dance sequence is so well done. Yeah. Whoever thought that Kevin Smith was going to have a dance sequence? Uh, every time it comes on, I'm like, I forgot how much fun it is to watch this. Uh, All right, so without further ado, unless we have anything else, I think I'm ready to get to my number one. All right, let's hear it. What's your number one, which I'm pretty sure I know already what it is, considering there's only one left. 
Yeah. <laughs> Without further ado, again, it's going to be the OG Clerks. I get why you love it. I get why it's number one. But you get why it's my number five, right? Well, when I made this list, I wasn't going off of what I consider to be like his best done movies or anything like that. I went off of what I personally feel for him and like what I think is like for me the best or more important films. I get it. And this is probably the the movie that made you want to be a film director, yeah? This was the movie that made me realize I could be a film director because like when I was growing up, I really loved movies and I just was like, oh, well, I don't know anybody and I live in the fucking Midwest. Like it ain't happening out here. That's fine. And so I was always like a casual fan of it, even like writing scripts and stuff and write. It just never, I never thought it'd take off. And then um, I remember the exact day that I watched Clerks for the first time. It was going to air on Comedy Central. And I was going. I was fishing with my dad, and I asked him what time it was. He told me, "I'm like, oh, we have to hurry up and get home because I need to watch this black and white movie really fucking badly." So we get home, and I watch it on Comedy Central, and I am fucking transfixed just the entire time. The dialogue, even though like it's a black and white movie with very simple shots, it's it was really well done for the limitations they had, and like seeing it and hearing what he did and like how he made the movie and the backstory behind it. It helped me realize that, like, oh, you don't have to have a bunch of money or any of that. Like, people could just do this if you're smart about it. And that kind of helped give me the motivation to actually, like, genuinely try and put stuff together. I mean, fuck. That kind of made me choke up a little bit. That's such a cute story. I'd never heard of that story, Cody. Thank you for sharing that on this very public forum. (laughs) Eh, What are you going to (laughs) do? It's my podcast. Fuck it. I'll I'll talk about what I want. That's what's up, man. Um, overall, I think it's a it's a good place for somebody who's a diehard Kevin Smith fan. Yeah, and it's just like the uh, making of the Snowball Effect documentary that comes with Snowball. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh every time too. Um, but like that's a longer one, and I've watched that multiple times too because I love hearing the stories and about how like uh, that fucking Weinstein guy. Um, Walked out of the screening a couple times, but it was the joke about 37 dicks that got him to stay. In a row? <laughs> it's just like all the little facts, like this movie could have been dead in the water, and by all rights probably should have been, but it just had this life of its own that I don't think anyone could have expected. And then it went on to inspire like generations of filmmakers. It did. It did. There's a lot of people out there that owe Kevin Smith the, the start of their film career. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like number one, Clerks. It's I, I, I don't know. It's as I just mentioned, it does a lot for me. I have a very like relatable story to it, where I remember going to see it and falling in love with it. And yeah, anyhow, that was my number one, dude. Well, my number one is Chasing Amy, which is absolutely a great place. Um, this is also hands down in like it's tied with Casablanca of the greatest films I've watched in all time, simply because. That fucking TV movie. Anyways. Simply because it fucking... The ending. All right, we're going to go into the spoilers here. If you haven't seen Chasing Amy, again, what's wrong with you? If you haven't uh, seen Chasing Amy and you're listening to this fucking episode? All right, go on. But the ending where just Ben gives gives her the comic of Chasing Amy. And... They just look at each other and it's such it's such a great tone. You know, the music is great and all that. And then Kevin, um, I'm sorry, 
<laughs> might as well be Kevin because that's the insert. But Holden just says, I finally had something personal to say. And then he just walks away. And then this girl comes in and asks uh, uh, Joey Lauren Adams' character, who was that? Oh, somebody I used to know. And that's a pretty accurate way to put it, too, if you think about it, because like that version of Holden McNeil is 110% different than the version that she dated. It is. It, it finally, it hits, man. It fucking it, hits. It, it, I and, mean, I mentioned it. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, you were, don't worry. Go ahead. I was just going to mention, like, that's the reason why it was my number two, even though I wanted to put it as number one. Like, it is one of those things where, it, since Ben Affleck's the Kevin Smith insert, and I could kind of at least mildly relate to that character where it's like, oh, yeah, um, maybe I'm not qualified. And then you're just like constantly questioning your relationship and stuff. And ironically enough, was dating that girl named Amy at the time. So it really like fucking movie. The heartfelt parts of it are just. And it just it's funny, but it's like realistic funny, you know, like you have the idiot character say shit. You have. um the the romance part of it it's just this is probably the most well-rounded film and it has the most heart in it and the funny fact it was all because kevin's girlfriend went to on vacation to a place and he never went and he got this completely original heartfelt story in it i can't help but cry at that ending i can't help but cry when when Alyssa fucking slaps holden Cause Holden says, you know, I want to, let's have this threesome, you, me and Banky. And Banky's like, okay. And Banky had to fucking, you know, realize and reckon, reconcile with the fact that he's gay. And at that moment he does that. And then he go, Holden goes to Alyssa and says, see, this is what'll make us work together. And she gives all these reasons. Like maybe you won't see me the same way. Maybe uh, I'll fall in love with Banky or something. I don't know. But it gives her gives him a kiss and says, it hurts me that you would want to share me with anybody. But I'm not your fucking whore. And walks out. And that is such a fucking great delivery. I mean, she clearly hasn't heard of polyamorous relationships, but you know, that's right. But this is this is obviously a regular heterosexual male who hasn't had who's only stuck to monogamous relationships doesn't know about that this is that movie where you don't know about polyamory you don't know I was about trying that. to make a joke out of it but this is a very serious tone so it, the delivery was very awkward <laughs> just like who asked for this season two is going to be very awkward just make sure to tune in on youtube and facebook video uh <laughs> but still though like th- that movie that movie has resonated with me. It's taught me so much about relationships and I love that fucking movie. I'll go to the grave loving that movie. I completely agree with you. And like from the characters, they are better than they are in clerks. And in, for several different reasons, it is a better movie than clerks. Like a lot of the movies on this list are. Um, and that's also why chasing Amy was my, my number two, because it's just, it was hard not to put it as number one, just for everything you can get out of it. Like you, it teaches you a lot for a movie about uh, dick jokes, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think I think we got a good list. I think 
I think for anybody who's out there should watch Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That's the first five movies. Those are the movies you should get your feet wet when it comes to Kevin. Wouldn't you agree? Like his first oh, yeah. five. I don't think you should go in on Strike Back or go in on Chasing Amy. Although Chasing Amy does stand alone. It's just you need Jay and Silent Bob. It helps to have context when the characters show up, certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good list. Uh, definitely check out those original View Askew movies. I mean, you heard our opinions on the rest of them, so you can kind of judge from there how you feel. Um, but the dude, thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Adrian Doodliness. You can find me on uh, Instagram. Almost blanked out, sorry. Uh, Adrian MDOD. Uh, and you could obviously find the Facebook uh, group, Fan Freaks, F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S. And be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Robots Don't Age. And I myself am on there. Uh, Cody has coffee. And I don't know why I'm spacing. Um, who asked for this? Also available now on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Kehlani uh, at Abundant Studio. <laughs> Yes, yes, and uh, Twitch TV, Bone King. <laughs> I like how we're plugging our co-hosts. And Dr. Rude, <laughs> MD, on Twitter for James Ramos. Also, shout out to Leisurely Vinny. <laughs> no, fuck Vinny. <laughs> fuck Vinny. How the fuck are you going to put New Vegas underneath three? Oh. Oh. So insider baseball for the podcast. All right, um, thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.